At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, welcome to the One Organized Mama podcast. My name is Janelle, and I am One Organized Mama. Episode number 31, July 12th, 2012. That is the day that One Organized Mama was born. Why was it born on July 12th, 2012? Well, honestly, that's the day that I just decided to go ahead and go start my business. The seed had been planted a little before that, about a couple of years before that, but I decided to finally take the leap on that day. Looking back, um, I think it was just basically talking to my husband, and I actually went to Blogspot, and that's where I just started to type out, hey, I have this idea for a professional organizing company. And I started to write a little bit about organizing and some of the things that I do. And then from that, I just started to tell friends and family, hey, I'm starting a professional organizing business. If you or anyone you know need help, let me know. And it grew and grew from there. It grew beyond my wildest expectations. There have been so many pinch me moments in these past eight years. But basically, it all goes back to the fact that I just finally took that leap of faith and started running with it. I just started my own business. So again, July 12th, 2012. So as I kind of look back at these eight years, I realized that there are some lessons that definitely stand out. These are things that I talk about a lot in my personal life, in my professional life, um, as a new realtor. Um, it's something that I definitely applied to my new career path. But I want to go over these lessons with you in this episode. But first, I want to go back in time a little bit. Go back in time and tell you a little bit about my own personal history, just so you can kind of understand where I'm coming from and again, why these lessons matter so much to me. Let's travel back in time to 1992. That was the year that I turned 16. So I'm a Gen Xer, 80s slash 90s kid. And I came from a very uh, working class family, very humble roots where money was always tight. And so I could not wait until I turned 16 because that meant I could go get my own job and I could work outside of my home. So pretty much right after I turned 16, I realized that if I go and get a job, it gave me some freedom. I had pocket money because money was always very, very tight at home. And so there was a, a pizza place near my home. And um, it was something that I could walk to. And um, eventually I was able to get a little beater car um, 
and was able to drive to it. So I was super, super proud of working at this pizza place. Now, this was not like a major national chain. This was a locally owned pizza shop in my city. All right, so this is what I learned working at this pizza shop. I was introduced to overly complicated processes and bureaucracy. So when I went in, I applied for a job. They pretty much hired me on the spot. I mean, a lot of these places, as we know, have really high turnover. So the standards weren't super high. They pretty much just hired just about anyone who came in off the street looking for work. So I was super excited. I was going to be a cashier slash order taker. And so the way that it worked is that we were given this notebook, like um, order taking notebook. So it's the size of a spiral notebook. And that was your notebook for the night. You weren't to share that notebook with anybody. And you were either on a cash register or you were taking phone orders. And so you would walk in for your shift and then they would have the little thing marked on the schedule for what your shift was for that night. And the process was someone came in, they gave you your their order, you wrote it on the little white ticket, and then at the on the bottom of that ticket when you tore it off, it was carbon copied onto a yellow. And each ticket had a number. So for instance, if I started the night on ticket 1175, I was told I had a circle 1175 because that's where I knew where I started for the shift. So people would come in, place their orders. I would write them out, have them pay, take the white portion of the ticket, give it to the kitchen who made the pizza. Well, at the end of the night, I was supposed to fill out this little form and turn it in with my um, order taking book. So I would fill out the form. But the process was, is that I had to go through and count. So I had to individually count every single ticket that I wrote for the night. And so again, if I was starting on 1175, and I ended the night on 1200, I had to go through and count out 25 tickets. And again, having it be my first job, I was a pretty good kid. I was pretty obedient. So I just did what I was told. Well, after being there for a few months, um, actually being there for a few weeks, I kind of caught on and I realized if I just take the larger number at the end of the night and subtract it from the smaller number from where I started, I would get the same number, right? I mean, actually, it didn't take me that long to figure it out, but I just did it. So I, again, I was very compliant and obedient, or so I thought, and super proud of myself and my first job. Well, again, a few months down the road, I was still employed there. And so again, in those types of jobs where there's a lot of turnover, if you've just been there the longest and all of a sudden you're the trainer. So as new people came in and they trained as uh, order takers, I was one of the people that trained them. So I started to get a little bit more confident. And so the way I trained them was circle the number of where you start in your ticket book take that number and just subtract it from the larger number of the last of the last ticket number that you took for the evening, right? Again, you'd get the same results. Well, I thought I that was just brilliant. I thought it was being efficient. Little did I know that that was not the company policy. And I discovered that in a very humiliating way. 
as I was taking someone's order, someone slapped me on the back of the head, the head with one of those big, thick ticket books. And it stunned me. And I turned around and it was my manager. And she said, come here right now. And I was mortified. So I walked to the back with her and she said, why are you telling people to subtract the larger number from the smaller number? And I was bewildered. And I said, because it's easier and it's more efficient. And that was the wrong answer. I was supposed to be also doing it myself, but also training other people that you had to go in and individually count every single ticket. Um, yeah, that was a, a big kind of like, wow moment for me because it didn't make any sense whatsoever. The only thing that mattered is that company policy said apparently that you had to go through and write every single, or excuse me, count every single ticket out. So that was kind of the beginning of the end for me at that job because, I mean, first of all, who wants to go to work and be like, have your manager smack you on the back with a book? And secondly, I just thought this is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense. And I think I actually got written up at that point. So again, I was pretty mortified and it's no wonder that they had the high turnover that they did. Well, fast forward about 16 years. And in 2008, I was blessed to get a really good job with a local government agency. And my very first day on the job, I walked into orientation. And as I walked into orientation, I was handed this big, huge, ginormous manual, policy manual. And I mean, these manuals were so big. I'm not joking. The binders were like at least six inches. So these were these huge, heavy policy manuals. And so we had to sit through orientation and go through these policy manuals. And they would cover things like you are not allowed to sleep on the job. But which to me is crazy. Like who or what job can you fall asleep on and it's okay. But maybe because it's a a government agency, that they felt the need that they had to actually put that in their manual for legal reasons. I don't know, but you had to cover everything. Like it is not okay to sleep when you are at work. And so I would do a lot of like internal eye rolling, but for whatever reason to the people that created these manuals, these policies mattered. And then from the orientation, you got assigned your specific job in your specific area. And then when you walked into that area, you would find, again, you'd be handed these policy manuals. So even though you're working for the same organization under the same umbrella, each area has their own set of policies and procedures on how they do things. Crazy, right? So again, I think that experience with my first job back when I was 16 kind of set me up for being a little bit cynical about policies and how ridiculous they can be. And why? Well, that goes into the first lesson that I want to bring up to you. Sometimes processes are too complicated. It is important to simplify processes. Organization and getting organized is a process. And people make organizing way too complicated, just like that pizza place. 
and my former employer back in 2008. You don't have to overcomplicate things. And that's what I really tried to do and teach with One Organized Mama principles and the steps, my four steps, is simplify your processes. Now, truth be told, I have a little bit of a rule of a thumb in my own home and when I was working with clients in the past. I have some areas of my life where my processes are pretty complicated. But the difference between that and what I do in the rest of my home is that those where those areas where they're more complicated are those areas where only I am the only one in there doing them. I have my uh, home office, for instance, where only I work set up where if somebody were to come in and I had to explain everything to them, I would totally lose them. If I had to be like, well, okay, pink post-it notes mean this, orange post-it notes mean that. I mean, I would lose them, right? Because my system is very, very complicated. Um, Obviously to other people, not to me. So since again, I run uh, two different businesses in my life, I have to keep things like that. I have to color code things. I have to assign different spaces for different things in my life because I'm going back between these two different uh, businesses that I that I own and operate. <clears throat> and so it's okay for me to do that. But when I'm talking to one of my vendors or someone that's helping me, I have to simplify the process for them. Another area that um, I think it's okay to be a little bit complicated is in your own personal space. So whether it be like your closet, your dresser, your makeup drawers, or your toolbox in the garage, or whatever it is, it's okay to kind of go in and complicate those spaces and those processes a little bit more, as long as no one else is having to try to figure out your process. So generally, no one's really going to be wearing my clothes or putting on my makeup or getting into the bins in my closet unless they're me. So I, for instance, one area that I I over um, complicate are my travel bins. So I have four travel bins in my closet and I have them set up for different reasons. I have like short-term trips, long-term trips, domestic trips, international trips. And I mean, but they have different labels for different things. And so I don't have them necessarily labeled that way. I just have them labeled in a way that speaks to my brain. Again, these are like personal items that I use for travel. And so um, the way that they're labeled just triggers my brain so I don't forget when I'm packing for a trip. So that's, again, one area where it's okay for me to get a little bit complicated. But... When you are organizing your home or your workspace and other people have to figure out where things are, I want to encourage you to not get too complicated. Keep things simple. Make things easy to put away and easy to find because you will be saving yourself a huge headache if you, if the people in your life understand your processes. So for instance, going back to the work example, if you have a business or you're a manager or some kind of, in some kind of leadership role in your, 
in your profession, please consider simplifying processes. And you know where you get the most inspiration for that from the people that work for you. So if that manager back at that pizza place back in 1992 had said, Janelle, what are you doing here? And I said, well, look, like this saves me like 15 minutes and you're not having to pay me for 15 minutes of extra work with me being on the clock and I get the same exact result. Ultimately, the company wins. Now, I have to say that pizza place wasn't in business very long and I can't help every time I go back home and I drive past that building where it used to be, I can't help but think of that that if they had maybe considered a little bit of efficiency in how they ran their business, maybe they would have been along a little bit, around a little bit longer. So again, if you are a parent, if you are um, a leader in your workplace, definitely consider simplifying your processes. All right, back to my story about my my job in 2008. Um, With those big manuals, this was before everything was put on the internet too. So this was kind of like when they were in that transition period. So again, I had to like carry these big manuals around. And when I was in training, I was expected to read these manuals and then write some notes down in a notebook. And uh, that just, again, just felt crazy to me because I just my brain just doesn't super work that way, especially with stuff that's not super interesting to me. I mean, I could do that for school, but to do it for a job where, I mean, the processes are so dry and dull, it was really, really difficult. So what I found myself doing in the margins of those notebooks was writing little notes to myself. I mean, it felt like dreadful and dreary at times. And so sometimes I'd write down the notes and then I would slap a little um, post-it note inside because I'm like, you know what? Something is happening with these notes. And so what I would do is I would start to write things like, I just want to help people. I felt like the job that I was doing and being trained for was not something where I felt like I ultimately was able to help people in the way that I was designed or that I was given talents and skills to help them. So I started to just, as I would go through and diligently and obediently read through my manual, write down the notes, and my mind started to wander, I started to do some brainstorming. Now, I started to keep some of those notes. And some of those post-it notes were the idea for one organized mama. So if you've listened to any of my time management or um, talks, or if you've followed my time management journal, you know that I talk a lot about brainstorming. It's the first step in working towards goals and managing your time. And that is probably where that seed was planted way back in 2008 to four years later in 2012, where I finally had enough of those notes, enough of those ideas, where I felt confident that I had an idea for a business or at least an outline where I was able to take that leap of faith off the dock and into that boat 
of becoming an entrepreneur and a small business owner. So brainstorming does work. I always tell people, get it out of your head and onto paper. Doesn't mean you necessarily need to keep every piece of paper. In fact, I don't want you to. I'm a big proponent of just even keeping a notebook because I actually do keep the notebooks. They're neat, they're tidy, and I do like to go back and kind of read my progress throughout the years. So again, lesson number two, brainstorming does work. Get it out of your head and get it onto paper and you will be surprised at how that process can help you start to propel in different areas of your life. Okay, lesson number three, perfectionism. When I meet someone and they start to use the word perfect to describe themselves, I can't help it but replace the word with anxiety or anxious instead. So when someone starts talking about how perfect their house is, I can't help but hear, I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to my house. Same thing when they talk about relationships. So the people that are like, you know what, my marriage is perfect. I can't help but hear, I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to my marriage. Perfectionism is a lie. It is something that lies to you. People really believe it's this standard, but I'm here to tell you as someone who has been in more homes than the average human being as a professional organizer and also as a realtor, I'm here to tell you that it is not a standard. There is no such thing as being perfect and people crumble, they roll their eyes when I talk about perfectionism and my my beliefs about what perfectionism is because it just they just really want to feel like they are perfect and it saddens me and because it saddens me because perfectionism also has a lot to do with judgment judging ourselves and judging other people so for the people that are like you know come over to my house my house is always perfect it's not trust me i'm telling you if you have friends that are telling you that I've been in plenty of quote unquote perfect homes, they're not that perfect. I've seen their dirty little secrets hidden in a lot of different places. So have a heart for these folks. And if you are one of these folks, just open your mind a little bit. You don't have to be perfect. And getting organized has actually nothing to do with with perfectionism. Being organized is a process to find some balance. It's a process that keeps clutter at bay. Um, But it actually has nothing to do with perfectionism. Um, The other thing I want to talk about when it comes to perfectionism is that it shows a lack of balance. What I have noticed is walking through people's homes as a professional organizer a lot of people that struggle with perfectionism, they do, they might have some areas that are like really super awesome. I mean, that are like Pinterest per, pretty, um, that look really perfect. But what I have noticed about this is that there are other areas of their home or 
and or lives that are super out of whack. So what that tells me as as I go in as a professional organizer, I'm kind of taking a step back and saying, let's reel this in a little bit. Like we cannot make your closet or your pantry any more perfect. But let's look at let's take a look at some other areas of your home or your life because no one should be spending that much time stressed out and worried about how their house or their life looks to people on the outside. So a lot of times, and pretty much I'm going to say at 100% of the time, we can find some areas that are really out of whack and out of balance for them. And that is what my job is as a professional organizer, is to try to help them find. Um, Again, this is my philosophy when it comes to organizing. There are certainly definitely companies out there that you can pay that will make your house look perfect. There are. If you have, if you and you have a team of people that are able to do it, by all means, and you have the resources, by all means, if that is something that matters to you, that is awesome. That is great. But for the majority of us, um, just take a little bit of a outsider's look on your life and really where are you struggling? Where are you out of balance? If the word perfect or perfectionism is something that's in your cal- in your vocabulary a lot. And the other thing I just wanted to say about perfectionism is that it's very, very trendy. And I notice it with trends. And so I'm not a generally a trendy person, um, especially when it comes to my home. I just like my house to be comfortable. I like my house to be comfortable for the people that live here. And I like my house to be comfortable for the people that come over. And so I generally don't follow trends, but I watch my friends who are very trendy. Um, and so they are always comparing and judging um, whose house, who has like the, the what I'm trying to think of something like the shiplap, whose wasn't very perfect when they installed it in their home or the different trends. So also just be aware, sometimes what is perfect today or perfect ideal for your home or your yourself or whatever won't be that ideal in six months. So just be aware of that when you are looking for perfectionism. But for the rest of you, just know that you are doing just fine. So just let all of that go and focus on having a little bit of balance in your life. Speaking of balance, that is my next um, lesson that I've learned. Number four, balance is possible. Again, going back to my time management journal, I talk about time buckets. And that was born from, again, working with clients who were only wanting to focus on their home. They were wanting to focus on their home so much that I was watching um, marriages crumble and relationships with children deteriorate because they were so hyper-focused on one area of their life. And I'm speaking in very general, broad terms. And I'm not only talking about women, but I am a woman, and so I relate. Um, And this is something that kind of inspired me to create the time management journal. And what I've done in that is gone through a process. And what I want people to learn and realize in that process is to look at all of the different areas of your life. 
We are not just made up of our home. We should not just be defined by our home. We should not just be defined by our work or our profession or what our physical body is or who our friends are or social circles or the amount of money in our bank account. None of those things should define us as just that. We are defined by a combination of all of it. So maybe if we're someone that has a lot of money in our bank account, but yet we don't have a lot of friends, well, you know what? Social life, friends, hobbies, those are important to have in life to find some balance. So maybe instead of focusing on work so much, you might want to take a few steps back and say, you know what? Let me focus on some fun or let me focus on some quiet time. So even though complete and perfect balance is never possible, we're always going to be a little bit out of whack. What I want people to do is take a step back and look at your entire life. Where do you need to put some attention? And that's what the time buckets are. I have you look back and look at work, family, uh, your finances, your physical health, your home, your social, your quiet time. And what are the different areas that are kind of standing out to you? Those are the areas that I want you to give a little bit of time to. Because my philosophy is that in order to get organized in your home and your life, you first have to organize your time. And our time is the most re- precious resource that we have. And so it's really important to be aware of where you're spending your time. Again, you might be spending, because we all do it a lot or a bulk of our time in one area, and we're kind of forgetting about some of these other areas. So in order to achieve some balance, just simply take a little bit of a step back from your life and start to distribute your time a little bit more evenly, or at least give every one of those time buckets a little attention throughout your week so that you can achieve a little bit of balance in your life. All right, segueing into lesson number five, that time is the most important resource that we have. Again, working with clients, being a small business owner, being a mother, being a wife, being someone who loves to travel, being someone who loves to spend time with my friends, I get overwhelmed super easily. In fact, my husband has pointed out to me that if I take a little too much time off from work, then I get super stressed out. I feel out of whack, out of balance. So I am somebody that I have to do a little bit of work um, throughout my week. Um, I always tell people like I do work seven days a week probably. Um, Between two different businesses, I can't help but do that. And um, part of the reason why is because I just feel like if I give a little bit of time to something, it makes me feel better. Um, Again, time is the most precious resource that we have, and it's probably the one that we waste the most time with. Um, I've really struggled with this in the uh, difficult months of 2020, where I just felt like life was out of whack, and I spent way too much time doing things that I wouldn't normally do, spending way too much time in social media 
way too much time reading stuff, trying to figure out what the heck's going on in the world, way too much time watching Netflix series that I'm like, it's ridiculous. I got to the end of and I was like, that was terrible. I didn't even like it. I didn't even enjoy it, but I felt like obligated to finish watching it for some reason. So time is the most precious resource we have. We not only waste it on things for ourselves, but unfortunately, we really take advantage of our friends and families, our clients, our employers when it comes to their time. We steal it from other people all of the time. How do we do that? When we're late. If you think about it, would you take money from your friend's purse or wallet? No, you probably wouldn't. But you wouldn't think twice about showing up 20 minutes late. I mean, after all, it's just 20 minutes. And those of us who are on time, you make fun of us. I mean, it's just 20 minutes, right? I get this all of the time from a lot of different people in my life. And um, But the fact of the matter is when someone does it to you, it bothers you. Admit it. So time is something that we're all given the same exact amount of every single day. It doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account, which country you live in, where you are in this world, in this life, we're all given the same exact amount in a day. And the scary thing is, we don't know how many days we have of those in our lifetime, right? I mean, big eye opener. But look at how much we waste it. And again, going back to perfectionism, where we and having your life out of balance, start taking a look at how much time you have, because I guarantee you, if you've ever stood by someone when they are at the end of their life, they are not worried about some of the things that we are worried about right now in our life that are time stealers. They, if anything, would hope and wish for more time in this life. So don't waste it. Don't steal it from others. And be aware that time is the most important resource that we are all given in this life. Okay, on to my last lesson that I've learned as a professional organizer, small business owner, mom, wife, and overall human being in these past eight years is this. It is okay to let things and people go. I struggle with this, especially the people part. I love people. I love people in my life. I give people so many chances sometimes that it's ridiculous. I mean, as an employer, I I freely admit that I did this. I had people damage my business and I just kept giving them uh, a chance time after time after time. I struggle with giving people too many chances and um, I am a person of faith and I do a lot of praying and it's been really difficult to see people leave my life. It's been really difficult to watch people go and to be okay with letting them go. And so when I'm kind of struggling um, with that, or when I was struggling with that a few years ago, and it actually had to do with one organized mama, I had some people in my life that I thought were big supporters of it. And they 
unfriended me in social media for some reason and unfollowed my my pages, One Organized Mama pages, I was really, really, really hurt. And I didn't understand it. And it wasn't and I tried reaching out and I didn't really get a clear answer. And so I was just kind of dumbfounded and I thought, well, what did I do? And so I prayed about it and I got an answer that just said, I'm clearing your path for you. That it wasn't actually anything to do with me, but that it was, I was having my path cleared because I think sometimes we let people get into in the way of things. And so now I just remind myself of that answer that I was given a few years ago to say, you know what, sometimes just like with clutter in our homes, it's okay to let people go. It's okay to have our path cleared a little bit because sometimes those people are just not meant to be in our life going forward from that point forward. And I have to be okay with it. Doesn't make it any easier, still hurts, still stings, still hurts my feelings. But I've just have I've just had to accept that over the past eight years. Like someone will be the biggest supporter, your biggest cheerleader, and then one day they will be forever gone. And you have no idea why. And to be honest, we probably do that to each other too. I've I've had to realize that too. There have been there have been certain situations I've been in where I really believed in this person or this cause or this thing or business or whatever. And then just one day I was just kind of done. I was just done and I just needed to kind of move on, move in a different direction or whatever. And it had nothing to do personally with that person or that business or that organization or whatever. I just, for my own personal reasons, needed to be done and move in a different direction. So that is the most difficult thing for me. One of the most difficult things for a lot of you out there is letting things go, particularly with clutter. Um, you have to let it go. You cannot get organized if you do not let go of the clutter. And clutter is connected to your bad habits. It is connected to a lot of different feelings. I have seen it. One of my um, favorite things to do as a professional organizer is to walk through the process of helping people declutter. And I mean, I tell you, I should have a degree in, in, in some kind of therapy because you feel like a therapist. I mean, you're just sitting there and, and helping them remove the actual clutter. But let me tell you, a lot of emotional stuff comes out when you're walking through people with that during that process. And I know a lot of professional organizers out there know what I'm talking about. So um, a lot of times it's resentment, it's pain from their past, it's um, memories. I mean, I've seen people hold on to stuff that actually caused them pain, like holding on to an ex-spouse's clothing or something, but every time they saw them, it made them angry, but yet they refused to get rid of their clothing, even though the ex-spouse didn't even want the clothing anymore, but they were holding on to it and it was just causing them a lot of um, anger and resentment and discontent, but they had a hard time letting it go. But it must be let go. Just like I've struggled letting certain people go in my life, you must let things go in yours. 
And again, if you struggle with this, go back to the brainstorming session, write down stuff like write down why you struggle under the home, under your home buckets, write down, brainstorm, get that all out of your head. Why are you struggling getting rid of the stuff in your home? Why are you struggling getting rid of clutter? Get it out of your head and onto paper. And also stop bringing it into your home. If you are a shopper, if you are an overbuyer, I want you to do the same thing. In order to get organized and get your home organized, you have to get rid of clutter. And you get to define what clutter is, not a professional organizer or not me. You, you get to define what that is. Only you know what clutter is, what's getting in your way. And it's often things that don't have a place where they belong in your home. That's the easiest way to define it. So again, my last lesson, let things and people go. That is the greatest lesson that I have learned over my eight years of being a professional organizer, a small business owner, a mother, a wife, and a human being. So thank you so much for listening to the One Organized Mama podcast. Thank you guys so much for signing up for my class. I resumed classes, online classes um, in July, and I'm super booked. I am really kind of like freaking out because I'm trying to get everyone in. I'm still dedicated to keeping the class sizes small, like only one to three people. So thank you for your patience and continue to be patient with me. But if you are interested in taking a online class in time management, decluttering, um, or paperwork, or how to become a professional organizer, then send me an email at oneorganizedmama at gmail.com. And a reminder that I do the declutter challenge. So if you are out there and you have decluttered a space, I want you to either go on the One Organized Mama Facebook page or Instagram account. I want you to follow and I want you to show me with the, with the hashtag One Organized Mama and show me your progress. I want to give you a high five. I want to I want to be there to cheer you on. And sometimes I'll send people a little gift or a little surprise just to acknowledge and recognize your hard work. Thank you again for listening. And again, send me those questions. Thanks, guys.